trusted voice of truth and light. God gave me a gift. I shovel well. I shovel very well. And a rally point for those who've accepted the reality that they are not sheep. We've got a blind date with destiny. And it looks like she's ordered the lobster. This is The Brian Hyde Show. Well, hello there and welcome to the show. You know, the battle for your mind is real. And I'm not here to tell you what to think, but I am here to encourage you to think as clearly and independently as you possibly can. And also to be more certain as to who you are and what you stand for than to be so dead set certain about who, about who and what you're against. So if that sounds like a, a mindset that is simpatico with where you would like to go, pull up a chair. And let's explore some of the things going on around us today in in a fashion that hopefully leaves you somewhat uh, better informed and definitely encouraged that there's there's plenty we can do about it, even if it's at the individual level. Our program is brought to you by great sponsors like SolarPatriots.com, GovernYourIncome.com, Sewing and Quilting Center in St. George. Going to have more to tell you about them a little bit later in the hour. Also, HSLAmmo.com. The Heather Turner team at Patriot Home Mortgage in St. George, Utah, lifesavingfood.com, and MonticelloCollege.org. I really have some fantastic sponsors. And again, if you find value in the content that I share with you on a daily basis, take the time to drop a note to those sponsors. Let them know that this message is reaching your ears, that you appreciate them making it possible for me to do this. Okay, now I don't want to sound dramatic. But the phrase, winter is coming, has a whole different feel given some of the things that we see taking shape around us. So I'm not here to put you in a state of panic, but, you know, it does. there is kind of a strange heaviness that that I, I feel as I'm watching the seasons change. The last of the leaves have started to come down in my yard, and, you know, it, it was such a beautiful fall. It actually lasted longer than I thought it would. And I, I've enjoyed every moment of all that beautiful color, but you know, the, the gray skies and the colder temperatures and just the, the, the deadness of winter, it's really starting to creep in. And, and my psyche is, is feeling a little less uh, capable than it has in years past of facing the cold and dark months ahead. Oh, the short daylight. Let's not get started on that. Anyway, CJ Hopkins who writes for the Consent Factory, marvelous writer, is warning us that the folks who are trying to impose the new normal on us are also trying to whip us back into a state of mass hysteria over a virus. And so he says the new normal winter is coming. Actually, I'm just going to share his commentary with you. He says winter is coming and you know what that means. That's right. It's nearly time, once again, for the global capitalist ruling classes to whip the new normal masses into a state of mindless mass hysteria over an imaginary apocalyptic virus. The same imaginary apocalyptic virus that they've whipped the new normal masses into a state of hysteria over throughout the winter for the last two years. Well, they've got their work cut out for them this time. He says, seriously, how much more mass hysterical could the new normals possibly get at this point? C.J. Hopkins says, the vast majority of the Western world 
has been transformed into a pseudo-medical dystopia where in which you have to show your health purity papers to enter a cafe and get a cup of coffee. People who refuse to get experimentally vaccinated against a virus that causes mild to moderate symptoms or often no symptoms whatsoever in about 95% of the infected and the overall infection fatality rate of which is approximately 0.1% to 0.5% are being systematically segregated, stripped of their jobs, denied medical treatment, demonized as a danger to society, censored, fined, and otherwise persecuted. Now, if you think he is overstating the case, you've got to look at the front page of the Australian newspaper that he supplies here. What's that headline? Public enemy number one. Unvaxxed border jumper puts state on COVID alert. And, and these are some of the, the, they've got a picture of the guy. They've got uh, a sticker here that says, don't be like Duran. Scan code to get vaxxed. Allegedly entered old or entered uh, Queensland without a pass. Hasn't used check-in apps in September. Left hospital despite medical advice not to do so. Yeah, somewhere in the great beyond, John Dillinger's going, hey, I was public enemy number one, and, well, frankly, that sounds pretty tame to me. So, yeah, C.J. Hopkins says the great new new normal purge is on. The unvaccinated and other infidels and heretics are being hunted by fanatical, hate-drunk mobs dragged before the new normal inquisition and made examples of all over the world. He says, here in New Normal, Germany, popular footballer Joshua Kimmich is being publicly drawn and quartered for refusing to submit to being vaccinated and to profess his faith in the New Normal world order. In the USA, the unvaccinated stand accused of murdering Colin Powell, an 84-year-old cancer-ridden war criminal. Australia is planning to imprison people and fine them $90,000 for not wearing a medical-looking mask. That's quite a crime. Or the attempted worship at a synagogue or whatever. In Florida, of all places, fanatical school staff tied a medical-looking mask to the face of a nonverbal Down syndrome girl with nylon cord day after day for over six weeks until her father discovered what they were doing. Now, he says, I think I could go on, but... I don't think I have to. The Internet is brimming with examples of mass hysterical and sadistic behavior. And that's not to mention the mass hysteria rampant among the new normals themselves. For example, the parents who are lining up to get their children needlessly vaccinated, then rushed into the emergency room with totally manageable myocarditis. It's actually a tweet that he shares here from Dr. Shane Huntington sitting in the in this Melbourne hospital room, sitting with my son hooked up to his heart monitors to post, uh, post his second Pfizer shot. I have a message for all parents. Get your kids vaccinated if you can. These side effects are rare and manageable. Help protect us all. The guy's a medical doctor, I guess, you know. Hey, the fact that my kid's in the hospital with heart problems from the shot, well, it's just a remarkable coincidence. Get your kids vaxxed. Still, C.J. Hopkins writes, as mass hysterical as things are, count on Globocap to go balls out on the mass hysteria for the next five months. He says the coming winter is crunch time, folks. They need to cement the new normal in place so they can dial down the apocalyptic pandemic. If they're forced to extend it another year, well, not even the most brainwashed new normals would buy that. Or, all right, sure, the most brainwashed would, but... They represent a small minority. See, most new normals are not, 
fanatical totalitarians. They're just people looking out for themselves. People who go along with almost anything to avoid being ostracized and punished. But believe it or not, there is a limit to the level of absurdity they're prepared to accept. And the level and duration of relentless stress and cognitive dissonance they're prepared to accept. Well, his point is most of them have reached that limit. They've done their part. They've followed orders. They've worn the mask. They got the vaccinations. They're happy to present their obedience papers to anyone who demands to see them. Now they want to go back to normal, but they can't because, well, because of us. See, GloboCop can't let them, re- GloboCap rather, can't let them return to normal. In other words, the new totalitarian version of normal until everyone, in other words, everyone who matters, has submitted to being vaccinated and is walking around with a scannable certificate of ideological conformity in their smartphones. They'd probably even waive the vaccination requirement if we would just bend the knee and pledge our allegiance to the WEF or BlackRock or Vanguard or whoever and carry around a QR code confirming that we believe in the science or the Covidian creed or whatever other ecumenical corporatist dogma. Seriously, though, he says the point of this entire exercise, at least this phase of the entire exercise, is to radically, irrevocably transform society into a monolithic corporate campus where everyone has to scan their IDs at every turn of an endless maze of perpetually monitored, eco-friendly, gender-fluid, ideologically uniform, non-smoking, totally meat-free safe spaces owned and operated by GloboCap or one of its agents, subsidiaries, and assigns. He says the global capitalist ruling classes are determined to transform the planet into this fascist woke utopia and enforce unwavering conformity to its useless values, no matter the cost, and uh, we, the unvaccinated, are standing in their way. They can't just round us up and shoot us. This is global capitalism, not Nazism or Stalinism. They need to break us. They need to break our spirits to coerce, gaslight, harass, and persecute us until we surrender our autonomy willingly. And they need to do this during the next five months. And he says preparations are now in progress. We're going to come back to his article in just a few moments. I do want to give you this this one bit of a spoiler. We don't have to fight them head on. We just have to refuse to surrender our principles. We'll be back in just a moment. This is The Brian Hyde Show. This is The Brian Hyde Show. And we are back sharing this excellent article from C.J. Hopkins. The new normal winter is coming. And uh, this is... I I think there's some legitimacy to what he's talking about here. You and I have, uh, we have a fight on our hands, but it's it's not uh, in the streets, you know, mostly peaceful protest kind of fight. It's more of a test of our will and a test of our commitment to our principles. We're going to come back to this in just a moment. I want to give a quick shout out here to Sewing and Quilting Center in St. George, Utah. This is a business which uh, folks in Southern Utah probably recognize. Founded back in 1984 by Ken Harker. Still in business. It's been owned by two different, uh, different. actually it's, been, it's changed owners twice. 
Eric and Teresa Alsop are the current owners. They're a wonderful family, and if you have any interest whatsoever in sewing, in sewing rather, embroidery, quilting, or just repair of uh, those implements that go along with those things, they actually can take very good care of you. They sell fabric, they sell superior thread, and they really know what they're about. So if you want to know more about them, you can stop by and see them at 779 South Bluff Street. You can call them at 435-628-4069. And there's a link in my show notes linking to SewingQuiltingCenter.com. Give them some love and tell them, hey, Brian's been talking about you on the radio. So back to C.J. CJ Hopkins' article here. He says that there are preparations now in progress to bring we, the unvaccinated, to uh, cause us to bend our knee. And here are some of the, here's some of the evidence he offers in, in regards to this long winter that's being planned for us. He says in the UK, despite a drop in cases and the fact, which the authorities have been forced to acknowledge, that the vaccinated can spread the virus just like the unvaccinated, he says the government is preparing to go to Plan B and roll out the social segregation system that most of Europe has already adopted. So in Germany, the epidemic emergency of national importance, in other words, the legal pretense for enforcement of corona restrictions, is due to expire mid-November unless they can seriously jack up the cases, which seems unlikely at this point. So the authorities are working to revise the Infection Protection Act to justify maintaining those restrictions indefinitely, despite the absence of a pandemic or an emergency. And yeah, he has a link to that. And so on. So he says, I think you get the picture. This winter is probably going to get a little nutty. Okay, a little more, more than a little nutty. In terms of manufactured mass hysteria, it's probably going to make Russiagate, the war on populism, the global war on terror, the Red Scare, and every other mass manufactured hysteria campaign you can possibly think of look like an amateur production of Wagner's Gotterdammerung. In other words, kiss reality or whatever is left of reality goodbye. The clock is ticking and Global Cap knows it. If they expect to pull off this great reset, they're going to need to terrorize the new normal masses into a state of protracted pants-pooping panic and uncontrollable mindless hatred of the unvaccinated and anyone challenging their rule. A repeat of the winters of 2020 and 2021 is not going to cut it. It's going to take more than the now standard repertoire of fake and manipulated statistics, dire projections, photos of death trucks, non-overflowing, overflowing hospitals, and all the other familiar features of the neo-Gobalizian propaganda juggernaut we've been subjected to for the last 18 months. Reason being, they are facing a growing working-class revolt. Millions of people in countries all over the world are protesting in the streets, organizing strikes, walkouts, sick-outs, and mounting other forms of opposition. And despite the corporate media's Orwellian attempts to black out any coverage of it or to demonize us all as far-right extremists, the new normals are very aware that this is happening. And the official narrative is finally falling apart. See, the actual facts are undeniable by anyone with an ounce of integrity, so much so that even major global cap propaganda outlets like The Guardian are being forced to grudgingly admit the truth. 
No, he says Global Cap has no choice at this point but to let loose with every weapon in its arsenal short of full-blown despotism, which it cannot deploy without destroying itself. And to hope that we'll finally break down, bend the knee, and beg for mercy. He says, I don't know exactly what they've got in mind, but I'm definitely not looking forward to it. I'm pretty worn out as it is, and from what I gather, so are a lot of you. If it helps at all, he says, maybe look at it this way. We don't have to take the battle to them. All we have to do is not surrender, withstand the coming siege, and make it to April. Or if the strikes, sick outs, and bad weather continue, airlines were looking your direction, it may not even take that long. Okay, so let's, let's process this for just a moment. I suspect that if you're listening to this program, you're probably one of those people who is aware that uh, the pressure is definitely ramping up. You know, the, the vaccine mandates are, are a big part of this. And isn't it interesting? Well, actually, I've got a link in the show notes here today to um, John Miltimore's take on how last week a federal court put the brakes on the Biden administration's vax mandates for employers and now the White House is just coming around and selling businesses. Well, uh, you can just ignore that court order. <clears throat> Go ahead and implement it anyway while it's being sorted out. What that says to me is government absolutely will not abide by limits on its power. And if government is unwilling to abide by its part of the agreement, that's the Constitution, why should we be bound to obey whatever it tells us? Oh, I know, that sounds terribly anarchic. How scary. But I think C.J. Hopkins has a good point here. The pressure is on. The number of people who are standing up and saying, I would rather walk away from my job or be fired from my job than give in is actually kind of uh, encouraging. And I'm sad for them. The pain and the discomfort and the... the, uh, the, the trauma that they're going to go through and the hardship that they're going to experience is very real. It's not just in their heads. But thank God for people who have the courage of conviction, who know themselves and know their principles well enough that they're willing to suffer for their beliefs. And if you've never suffered for your beliefs, I'm not saying, well, you're not a very good person. But if you can look back and reflect, yeah, I've never really had to suffer for my beliefs. Might be a good time or a good opportunity to ask yourself, what exactly are your beliefs? How committed are you to your beliefs if you've never suffered for them? So I agree with, with C.J. Hopkins. It's, this is not about let's get out there in the streets and let's fight them and uh, we're going we're gonna to tar and feather them. I know it, it, something, there's something very cathartic about the thought of it, but... All you have to do is exercise the most powerful word in the world. No. A complete sentence. No. But you have to do this. No. But if you don't do this, then uh, you're gonna make your, we're going to make your life hard. No. Do your best. But my answer is no. And it's not no because I know better than everybody else. And it's not no because I'm, I'm better than everybody else and they have to do what I say. The answer is no because I have my personal autonomy. 
and I will not surrender that. I won't do it for the public good. I won't do it no matter how you guilt or try to shame me. The answer is no. I think they're counting on us not being able to to bear, you know, going on much longer under the the, the weight of the pressure. You've got to do this. You've got to do this. I think they underestimate our commitment to our principles. So use that word proudly. No. Sound like a two-year-old. Well, an intelligent two-year-old making a principled stand, but use that word as often as you can. This is The Brian Hyde Show. This is The Brian Hyde Show. All right, welcome back to the show. Quick shout out here to the Heather Turner team at Patriot Home Mortgage in St. George, Utah. I'm very happy for all the people who have discovered a newfound sense of freedom and, of course, the beautiful landscape of the Intermountain West. But I also feel just a little bit sorry for the folks who are, you know, currently looking for homes in in the Intermountain West, particularly Utah and Idaho. Holy cow, the real estate markets have been so intense. Hottest real estate market most of us have ever seen. When you find the home of your dreams, you've got to have your financing squared away right now. And this is where the Heather Turner team at Patriot Home Mortgage in St. George, Utah comes in. Heather has decades of experience in the lending industry. She can clearly get you where you need to be when time is of the essence. We're talking from VA loans to traditional loans to reverse mortgages. Reach out to the Heather Turner team at Patriot Home Mortgage. Call 435-703-4522. Stop by their office at 619 South Bluff Street in St. George. Heather's NMLS ID is 715386. And Patriot Home Mortgage is an equal housing opportunity lender. I would think it's clear by now, at least to, to a good chunk of people, maybe not everybody, but it should be clear that governments use global crises in order to take more control over our lives. Now, Doug Casey says, sometimes that crisis may be real, but the current crop of opportunists and power seekers may have overplayed their hands. Got some great excerpts from an interview that he did with International Man. This was published on lewrockwell.com. And the interview starts with International Man pointing out, throughout history, governments have used crises, either real or imagined, to eliminate freedoms, expand the power of the state, and justify all sorts of things the populace would never accept in normal times. After World War II, did you realize this was Winston Churchill who famously said, never let a good crisis go to waste. I know, Rahm Emanuel said it under the uh, the Obama administration, but Churchill, I hadn't realized that uh, he was such a pragmatist as well. Now, this was when he and other leaders came together to form the United Nations, which they probably could not have created without the crisis of World War II. Ever since, it seems that each new supposed crisis causes a further centralization of global power. So the war on some drugs, the war on terror, the COVID hysteria, and the so-called climate crisis all have ratcheted up the centralization of power on the global scale. And so they asked Doug Casey, what do you make of this trend, Doug? And he says, well, it makes sense that Rahm Emanuel, a sleazy Obama apparatchik, would have stolen the phrase from Churchill. But the statement is quite correct, regardless of the source. 
Government lives on crises, or on crisis, rather. As Randolph Bourne said, war is the health of the state, and there's no crisis like war, but any kind of crisis can work. He says, Whatever, whenever you have a crisis, whether it's a military, political, economic, financial, or social crisis, the mob calls for strong leaders to kiss it and make it better. And this plays perfectly into the hands of the kind of people who work for the state. In fact, he says, as far as I'm concerned, it's a psychological flaw in humans stemming from the fact that we're pack animals. Pack animals want leaders. Now, Doug Casey says, I'm not sure how we solve this problem other than delegitimizing the idea of the state and defanging it as much as possible and stop lauding, even apothesizing its employees. But as long as the state exists, its basic impetus is to seek out crises. Crises benefit the state as an institution, but they also benefit the people who work for it. At this point, International Man asks him, they say, well, the the COVID hysteria took the uh, cynical concept of never let a crisis go to waste to a whole different level. Never before had the edicts of an unaccountable global institution like the World Health Organization affected so many people in such drastic ways. It seems the average person not only has to worry about local and federal bureaucrats affecting their well-being, but also global ones. And they ask Doug Casey, well, what's your take on this? Casey replies, well, over the last century, the reach of the state has moved from a local to a national to now an international level. See, that's what the concept of globalism is all about. The good news is that the bigger and more complex anything gets, including the movement toward globalism, the more inefficient, corrupt, and unwieldy it becomes. So perhaps the idea of globalism is getting big enough to self-destruct. In the meantime, some of globalism's and the state's most effective minions are NGOs, or non-governmental organizations. Now, these are generally supported by private giving, often estate planning. When people die, they want to do something for the benefit of humanity. That's an understandable emotion, although charity generally causes at least as many problems as it cures. Rich people particularly want to virtue signal, since today's society infuses them with guilt for their money. That plus they naturally want shelter from taxes. So they give money to all kinds of NGOs. And there are many thousands of them. Now Doug Casey says NGOs are almost universally collectivist and statist in philosophy. And have strong political agendas. Although they disguise overtly political objectives with feel-good rhetoric. I mean who could possibly be against agitating for world peace or fighting poverty? However, many amount to scams, few accomplish anything meaningful, and they almost all work closely with the government. Few of them produce anything but commercials, lobbying campaigns, and fat incomes for their insiders. Critical thinkers can help pull the rug out from under NGOs by never giving them a penny and challenging their actions. Speaking of globalism, NGOs, and a trend toward world government, He says, I have to mention that vaccine passports are a definite step in that direction. There will undoubtedly be a U.N. organization formed to standardize vax passports because right now there is a myriad of vaccine passports issued by various governments on different criteria in different formats. An internationally accepted vax certificate will amount to a world government passport. 
and it will probably be tied in with a social credit rating, such as the one used by China. Naturally, that will be linked to everyone's digital currency account with the central bank. It will become an international ID document in much the same way that driver's licenses are effectively internal passports in the U.S. You'll be nobody and do nothing without it. Next, they ask him, it seems that so-called climate change is the next crisis du jour. Given the trends we've been discussing, how do you see governments taking advantage of this alleged crisis? And Doug Casey responds, global warming, a.k.a. climate change, is an excellent form of control, perhaps even better than a virus. People are being terrified into believing they're about to destroy the planet itself. And he says, fear is a foolproof way to control the masses. He says, it's funny, actually. The masses is a term Marxist-Leninists are very fond of. Government is always presented as a friend of the people, our democracy, or the masses. It's promoted as noble, wise, and forward-thinking savior that just steps in to stop the evil producers. It's one of the many false and horribly destructive memes stalking the earth today like specters. He says, the increasing belief in government is a magic solution to problems acts to decrease the average person's standard of living and creates all kinds of distortions throughout society. It's turned the study of economics into a pseudoscience and its incursions into science are discrediting the idea of science itself. In fact, he says the two big hysterias currently plaguing the world both center on state involvement in science, or at least scientism. One is covid a relatively trivial flu blown out of proportion. The other is anthropogenic global warming, AGW, which has recently been rechristened as climate change. Now, Doug Casey says, in my view, both will be eventually debunked and discredited. But unfortunately, if you run counter to either narrative right now, you'll be canceled, fired, and or ostracized. It's very much like what happened to Galileo when he ran counter to the prevailing wisdom of the Middle Ages. Of course, the ruling class doesn't actually burn books anymore, but only because books today are mostly electronic. These attitudes constantly appear on sites like Google and Twitter. And he says there's an excellent chance that these people will discredit the very idea of science because they've wrapped themselves in the veil of science, or more precisely, what's become known as the science. They're creating something much more serious than just another economic disaster. Now, International Man follows up with the question, will many people see the government as some kind of benevolent and magical organization? It is this attitude that helps politicians take advantage of crises to advance their control, because many people assume the government to be acting in good faith. And then they pose the question, what will it take to snap the average person out of this deluded hypnosis? Unfortunately, You're going to have to wait until the other side of the break to get Doug Casey's answer to that question. But it might be a good opportunity to reflect on what did it take to snap you out of the hypnosis? What did it take to push you over the edge that you would listen to such a subversive program as this one? Can't answer for you, but I'm glad whatever happened, happened. We'll come back to Doug Casey's commentary right after this. This is The Brian Hyde Show.
This is The Brian Hyde Show. All right, jumping right back in. We've got no time to waste here. I'm sharing an article here from Doug Casey, How Governments Use Global Crises to Take More Control. And he's asked the question, okay, people who assume that the government is acting in good faith, what does it take to snap the average person out of that kind of deluded hypnosis? Now, I want you to hear Doug Casey's answer. Doug Casey says it's true that many people see the government as some kind of benevolent, magical organization. And this attitude helps politicians to advance because they're assumed to be operating in good faith. So what will it take for the average person to be snapped out of this hypnosis? Where's the red pill when the world needs it? Well, he says when a hypnotist hypnotist approaches a crowd, he knows that some people are much more liable to be hypnotized than others. It's a failing of human psychology that's especially true in the political world. Some people are much more likely to be hypnotized by politics and the idea of government than others. The exceptions are critical, independent thinkers who are always a minority. And it's always dangerous to be in the minority. So when asked, what can we do about it? Doug Casey says, first of all, forget about violence. That only plays into their hands. Present arguments against the idea of the state. Promote the idea of critical thinking. Expose politics as mass hypnosis. Point out that there's absolutely nothing that government can do that the market can't do, at least anything good. Now, there are some things that government does that are unique to it, like taxes, confiscations, wars, pogroms, uh, prison systems, regulations, and secret police. These things are the essence of government and are antithetical to the free market. So he says, I think it's important, for instance, to point out that throughout history, the most famous government officials are actually mass murderers and criminals. They're not benevolent. Let's look at some of the most famous names that you remember from your history books. The Pharaohs, Alexander the Great, Caesar, Genghis Khan, Louis XIV, Stalin, Hitler, Mao, Pol Pot. Now, some are considered good, some are considered bad, but they are all Mass murderers. Are any of our recent presidents any better, really? What happened in Afghanistan, Iraq, Syria, Lebanon, and lots of other places, not even counting Korea and Vietnam, should make those responsible held for trial, probably followed by hanging. Nuremberg actually set a good example. And it's important to draw the crimes of the state and its minions to people's attention constantly. Anti-propaganda is a mass hypnosis vaccine. Let that statement stand as proof that I'm not anti-vaccine, per se. Ha! Next, he's asked, is there any good news or optimism despite all the bad news? So here's Doug's answer. He says, look, the bad news is the state is bigger and more powerful than ever. The institution has evolved and has become more clever. It's more able to reach its tentacles into everything than ever in the past, including the recent episodes with Nazis and communists. Here's the good news. It's getting to the stage where it's dysfunctional. Maybe the current major crises will backfire and self-destruct. Hopefully the nation state will be replaced by some voluntary phenomenon like files. If you're not familiar with that, you should uh, click on the link he provides that, that takes you to a definition. Or perhaps the rise of a parallel structure within the current framework. Crises can be real, like the impending economic collapse, or fabricated, like COVID and... AGW. Crises will always be used as excuses for government expansion. 
But he says, maybe they've overplayed their hand this time. Doug Casey says, I'd like to see the state disappear, of course, but considering the way the world works, the next step might, might be crisis, or I'm sorry, might be chaos, which often follows crisis. Pretty good commentary, as always, from Doug Casey. So one final note here that I wanted to share with you. Have you been convinced that everything that came before us was wrong? Just asking. Got a great article here from Anthony J. de Blasi reminding us that the mindless attempt to remake America is really nothing more than run-of-the-mill Marxism trying to dethrone thousands of years of divine wisdom. So let's take a look at this. Anthony J. de Blasi says, The history and consequences of the attempt to take down America and change, uh, take, change take charge rather, of everybody's life has been told, but the damning evidence has been kept from the public. He says there's time here for only a peek at the big picture. And by the way, seeking information and commentary on America's takedown should not be regarded as an idle pursuit of conspiracy theories, a buzzword used to deflect attention from official wrongdoing. So in a few words... He says, Marxists worked hard for over a century to correct American society. Deemed in their arrogance and clouded mentality, incorrect. Their trajectory for a remake of America would replace the wisdom of the creator with acceptable science, make morality irrelevant, and devalue every citizen in the name of of justice, theirs. Who would be in charge of all this was left unspecified and undefined, but their actions pointed to tyranny at the highest level of authority. Non-compliant people would be disposed of one way or another. In Russia, Marxists preferred prison, gulags, and murder for the dissidents. In America, they chose education, that is, brainwashing and indoctrination and demonizing the opponents. So whether hard or soft, the mindless and heartless means would be justified by the desired end, establishing a collective world order, a.k.a. New World Order, a.k.a. Great Reset. Now, American Marxists steeled themselves during the major launch of communism in Russia in 1917 and its subsequent infiltration throughout the world after World Wars I and II. They dedicated themselves to brainwashing young people in public schools and beginning early in the 20th century, brainwashing adults through media and church into accepting a world devoid of Judeo-Christian content, spirit, and guidance, all of which stood in the way of their campaign. Infiltrating the schools has been well documented. Infiltrating the mainline churches accelerated during the 1970s when faux Christian change agents busied themselves making congregations believe that you could be a Marxist and a Christian at the same time. Now, it was never put this bluntly, of course. He says, I witnessed the process as a church organist in those years. Never mind that if a Marxist were asked what he thought of Christianity, he would very likely lie about it or gloss over the fact that Joseph Stalin, Marxist-in-chief of Soviet Russia, was suppressing Christians, as in today's communist China, and murdering over a million people. He says, I knew a young Christian pastor in Maine who was thrilled with the prospects of so-called liberation theology, the bogus union of Marxism and Christianity, designed to hoodwink real Christians into accepting a non-existing compatibility between Marxist ideology and Christian theology. Now, she apparently never actually compared the Christian gospel with the Communist Manifesto and mindlessly bought into the big lie that Marxism and Christianity are in harmony with one another. 
and so another benighted Christian minister had unwittingly joined the Marxist infiltration instead of preaching the gospel. Now, the brainwash in churches and across the cultural landscape of America spread quickly after the mid-century, working so well that by the 1980s, many fully awake Americans began to fight back in earnest, and so officially began the culture war. Now, it has been claimed on both sides that we, meaning the deplorables, lost the culture war. But he says that's too hasty a call. It must be pointed out in this connection that the lure of money created turncoats among previously stalwart organizations and publications initially dedicated to conserving our republic and Judeo-Christian principles of governance. These corrupted remakes of once loyal American organizations retained the title conservative, however, in line with Marxist deception. And Marxists are still brainwashing students. K-12 through and beyond, still acting as apparatchiks for the soft overthrow of the American Republic in academia, seminary, workplace, and media, funded by corporate money and philanthropic endowments flowing from agents and organizations with no use for America, God, or anything that defines real human beings living in the real world. So if you want to be taken seriously, he says, The governance of human beings must resonate with a love of people and acceptance of the natural order we find ourselves in. And then he says that implies a fundamental need to follow the one who put us here. If men far wiser than any of us accepted the God of the Bible as the ultimate authority when they formed our government, who are we to declare their blueprint for governance flawed? While benefiting from the great nation they left us at a cost in blood and sacrifice beyond current calculation. In this age of benighted followers of mindless and heartless despots, what is overdue is a politics-free examination of the real world that we must all deal with, a re-examination of transgenerational wisdom. It's the first time I've heard the word trans used in a non-offensive context here. Thousands of years in the making, an unwavering faith in our Creator, whose word enlightens and encourages us to overcome the fear, intimidation, and money in the constant struggle against evil consequences. So if you haven't tapped into some divine wisdom lately, sounds like that might be a good place to start. Check out the articles in the show notes at thebrianhydeshow.com. This is The Brian Hyde Show.